Hello, we want to say welcome and thank you for joining us online today. Special welcome to everyone here in the room, but also those online, especially those in Townsville. We want to say welcome. We are so glad you are with us. And for those of you who might be new around here at Water of Life, we want to make sure that we connect with you. And so if you are new or you only have come a few times, we want to encourage you to Send us a text, let us know so we can connect with you. You can send a text to the number 818-818 and write new here, and we'll give you some information of how you can get connected here at Water of Life. Well, today we are gonna be doing communion in service, so those of you at home, in your car, take a quick minute, look around, find something that you can use as the, the bread and the juice. It doesn't have to be those things, but find something, gather them together wherever you are, so when we do take communion, you will be ready. Well, we have a couple of things going on here around Water of Life. The first one is our new series will be beginning next week on family. And we are going to be encouraging everyone to get into a small group. We've already been doing that. And so if you have not joined a small group yet, we want to encourage you now is the time. Text the word FRIENDS to 818 818 and you'll get some more information about how you can join a group also you can get information of how to just create a group around you so we want to encourage everyone in our church family to get into a small group for our next series and the next thing we have coming up is something very exciting if you think back to last year we went on a journey to finance through Financial Peace, through Financial Peace University with Dave Ramsey and his baby steps. Maybe many of us are still working on our debt snowballs and, and becoming debt-free, but we have purchased a subscription to something called Ramsey Plus, and this is something completely free to everyone here at Water of Life. You can have access to all their resources, tools, apps, and if you already went through the class as an alumni, you, this access is available to you. Also, if you haven't gone through the class yet, this access is for you. So visit wallfpu.org to find out all the information and the ways you can sign up and get connected to Ramsey Plus. Well, we want to encourage you again to stick with us after the message is over, those of you in the room as well and online. We want to say uh, hang around. We have a couple of thoughts to share with you from the message of ways you can get connected throughout the week. So don't forget to hang on after the message is over. Well, we are going to be moving into a time of worship, but don't forget, if you want to worship the Lord through your tithes and offerings, you can always do that by going on to the Water of Life website, wallupdates.com. And as we move into a time of worship, uh, especially those of you at home, in a car, maybe outside somewhere, it can be a, a very distracting time, uh, hard to focus and get plugged into this moment of worship. But we want to encourage you to Put away your distractions and, and focus in and pause yourself and prepare your heart so we can worship the great, great God that we serve. Well, let me pray for us as we move into a time of worship. Jesus, we do want to say you're welcome here um, in this room, but also, Lord, wherever anyone is watching right now, God, we we uh, want to proclaim how good you are, and we want to do that by using our voice, using our bodies. And so, God, we just say that you're good and you're welcome here, and we want you to speak into our circumstances. We want you to prepare our hearts as we um, hear the message today, God. So we do ask for you to come, Holy Spirit, that you would be present as we worship you. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship together. Welcome, Water of Life, wherever you're watching from today. 
Won't you stand with us, make some space around where you're at? Is anyone ready to worship our God, our King? My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Thank you, Lord, for your love. tries to roll over my bones when sorrow comes to steal the joy I own when brokenness and pain is all I know no I won't be shaken no I won't be shaken cause my fear doesn't stand a chance when
I know we can look at whatever's going on around and we can easily respond to that. But today, may we choose the response of praise. May we choose the response of worship. My Bible says in 2 Corinthians that thanks be to God who causes us to triumph in his name, who always causes us to triumph. So may we choose today the response of someone who knows a living Savior. When fear is the obvious response, when anxiety is the obvious choice, that we still choose the one who is fighting for us. My Bible says, resist the enemy and he will flee. And so we resist that temptation to respond to fear. We resist it no matter what's going on. And we say, God, we praise you. Let our praise be a weapon. Let our worship be a war cry to declare your truth, that you are good, your mercy endures forever.
keeping me in perfect peace, Lord. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. No matter what I see, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm. We always choose you, Lord, first. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, I'm surrounded by you.
the good. 
Father, we want to take a, a moment and just bow our hearts before you and, and say thank you, God. <laughs> Without you, we would be so lost. We're just grateful people. Father, we want to stop and say we're grateful to you, Father, for your great plan to pursue people like us. You never give up on us. You never walk away from us, God. And Your grace is amazing, Lord. And so we come to communion right now and we just say, thank you, thank you, thank you, God, for the cross. Thank you for the grace that flows from the blood of Jesus. We pray healing over people today. Father, people online, people on other campuses, people on the other side of the world, we pray healing, Father, would flow out of communion. It is the meal that heals. It really is. It's, a, it's the, the time when your presence can flow forth into our wounds and our nooks and crannies, God, where we're cracked and broken. You can bring life and restoration to us. So we ask you in the name of Jesus to do that right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let me read to you, if I could. You could be seated. From, you know, we read this a lot, and it's just kind of, I was reading it today thinking, what an amazing thing that. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11 about communion, because we just like take it for granted and you think, wow, he actually sat down once and just the Holy Spirit flowed this right out of his heart. But he said this, for I received from the Lord that which I have also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. But Father, we wanna to come to you right now and just say, God, we are grateful for that night that you understood the cost at a level we had no idea what was up. That word, this is a new covenant. It was a new deal. It was a new way. It was a flow of heaven opening to earth in a level that that had nev never happened, Father. And so we wanna capture that, God, in our lives, in our hearts, in our work, in our homes. We want a flow of heaven. Your heart that you opened up that last night at that last supper, that last cup, and that last bread, that you open up a window into heaven for us. So we come to you right now. We say thank you, God, for the bread. Thank you for the bread. You can open your little cup there. These are way easier to deal with, aren't they, than the other ones? And um, 
So Father, we thank you for the bread and we take it and eat it in Jesus' name. Take and eat. And Jesus made that statement. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. In the Seder dinner, in the Last Supper, in the, there, was, there were different cups. This was the third cup of the dinner. So they took different cups and they were very symbolic, each of them, of what they meant for Israel. And so it would kind of like been Christmas. Think like that. If it was your Christmas service at home or maybe you have a, a tradition at home that you would do for Christmas and you're kind of going down the tradition, then suddenly you shift gears really hard. That's what Jesus did here. Jesus said, listen, take the last cup. The cup is called Halil. It literally means a word we get hallelujah from. It means to praise. And so Jesus picks up this cup, that's the cup of praise, and he said, I'm gonna change everything now. It's no longer gonna mean what it used to mean for you. It's now a cup of praise for the new covenant. And they, they had to have been sitting there going, the new what? We, we don't understand, we don't get the new covenant. What does that mean? They had no idea that he was gonna be crucified, died, he would be dead and then he would resurrect from the dead. They had no idea that this was gonna happen. This was all so, so much revelation in, in a moment for them that they couldn't have got it. But it's an amazing picture to look back on because you realize this, God knew everything, didn't he? Come on, you gotta get this because when you're struggling right now, think like this. God knows what you're struggling through. When you're flying hard, God knows how you're flying. When you're doing this thing or that, God knows everything about you. He knows how it's gonna go for you. And that should give you this amazing sense of comfort that God is sovereign. That's what happened with Jesus that night. In the midst of the cross, he was okay. Not even okay, he was worshiping and praising, taking a cup to drink the cup. That was the cup that he was crying out about in the garden. You know, I'll drink this cup was the cup of the new covenant. So Father, we come to you and we just say thank you for this cup. Wow, what an amazing breakthrough. Your blood to wash us clean. So we receive forgiveness today. We receive your healing today. We invite your flow of your presence, Holy Spirit, today as we drink the cup. Take and drink in Jesus' name. Now we're not gonna stand and pass your cups the aisle. I know you won't know what to do if we don't do that but you get to throw your cup out on your way out, okay? So I just wanna take a moment right now and ask you to turn around and wave at somebody and shout out at them, and we'll jump on the word together in just a minute. That was a quick changeover, wasn't it? Yeah, okay. If you got your Bible, your iPad, your phone, turn to 1 Peter. We're gonna be in chapter five today. We've been in walking for the last five weeks through 1 Peter, and we're in the fifth part, sixth part, actually the sixth week of this. We're in chapter five. 
Chapter five is a very interesting chapter because it, it really was a bad chapter break. So let me explain that to you really quick. If you haven't been around the Bible very much, the, the Bible, the chapter breaks were added later. So the verses were added later to help you find your way through. But the reality is sometimes they were put in places where you're like, ah, that shouldn't have happened right there. This is one of those places where if you look at chapter five, verse one, the first word is therefore. Anytime you see a therefore, you have to think what? It's there for a reason, okay? That's what you should think. You should think, what does therefore mean? Well, it's a summary word. It kind of goes back to the other thing. And in this particular case, it goes back into chapter four up to verse 12, and it's about suffering. We talked about this last week. So if you weren't with us last week, we were talking about how you get through suffering, you keep your eye on the target, and Jesus was talking about um, how, how, Paul's talking about Jesus, how he suffered, and how he flew through suffering because he kept his eye on the goal, which was eternity, it was the cross. It wasn't the moment. And how many of you know if you're stuck in the moment, you lose your way? I mean, really quick, you can get the forest and the trees and all that, but, but the reality is, if you can figure out, look, I just need to look long-term, long-term, long, I'm not gonna get stuck in the moment. And we all need to think like that right now, don't we? Don't get stuck in the moment. Think long-term, 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 because it is a test, and that's what Paul said, or Peter, excuse me, said back here. He said, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that's among you. It just comes upon you for your testing, verse 12, for your testing. So this is a test. How many of you hate tests? Come on, help me. We all hate tests, don't we? But this is a test. And so we are in the last part of this thing and, and Peter's summing this all up and he's really saying, he's saying, now watch where I'm gonna go because then I'm now gonna talk about, I'm gonna leave you and he was gonna die probably the next year and a half. So he's gonna die, he knows he's gonna die and he's trying to set up for the church to grow when he's gone. So how does he do that? He talks about leadership. So chapter five is about leadership and what does it take to keep the church moving ahead when people like Peter and Paul were gonna be killed in the next year. And so you got this great picture. We've been saying this every week. Don't be surprised, it's a test, it's gonna help you grow. Don't lose your hope in the middle of this thing. This whole book is about suffering in hope, having hope, 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 and hope. So we've been saying this every week, hope is a bridge that faith needs when our circumstances and our theology don't meet and there'll be times when they don't. When you, you can't figure out, you say this, God is good, what? All the time, all the time, God is what? And, and we say that, but then whenever your circumstances go really south, and you're like, whoa, God doesn't feel good right now. It doesn't, my circumstances, and that's when you need hope, because it's a bridge that your faith needs to get from your circumstance back to the heart of God. Even when you can't understand, you read your Bible, you can't see what God is up to. So when Peter's closing the letter, he does this really great thing. I mean, this is what, Peter, you gotta figure out like this. He wasn't a scholar like Paul. He was a fisherman, right? So you gotta think like this. You might be a mechanic. You might be somebody, you might have a, a job that's not super highly skilled, whatever. And you might think, I don't think God can use me. Well, let me tell you something. Peter was a fisherman and God used him in a huge way. Is that right? But he grew and he grew and he grew and he grew. He never quit growing. And so at the end of his day, here, here's his summation. Chapter five, here's his summation. He's like, I'm almost gonna be killed myself, and where does he go? Right back to Jesus. 
He goes right back to his own life. He closes the letter with reviewing his whole journey with Jesus. So he says things like this. I watched him suffer. I saw him suffering. He mentions that. He says, I got directed on Jesus how to lead and love other people. So he talks to them about leading and loving other people. He says he watched Jesus humble himself. So what do you think he talks about? You ought to be what? Humble. You ought to live with humility, and God will honor your humility. And then he goes, you know, he talks about, you know, that, that whole picture was Jesus washing their feet, all those kinds of things that blew everybody up, you know, the night before he was going to be crucified. And then he deals with this whole idea right at the end of Satan being a roaring lion. Is that right? That Satan goes about as a roaring lion, and you're like, whoa, where did that come from? Where do you think that came from? It came from his own life, didn't it? Because remember, Jesus said, Satan has requested permission to do what? To sift you, Peter, tonight. So beware, because it's going to get really hard for you. That's really what Jesus was saying to Peter. And did it get really hard? Hello? I mean, he crashed and burned completely, didn't he? Completely crashed and burned. And then Jesus came and restored him. And when he restored him, he said, Peter, do you love me? You know, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Tend my lambs. Do you love me? Remember all that? That was Jesus restarting Peter into leadership. It was him really saying, look, I know you jacked this up really bad, but I got it. And how many of you know when you mess your life up really bad, you feel like it can never be fixed? You feel like God will never use me again. And the reality is, Peter's like, listen, that was me. Satan sifted me, he torched me, he burned me up, and still I'm okay. So wherever you're at, you know, if you're here in the worship center, if you're online, if you're on the other side of the world, you gotta think like this, you gotta think like this. God is never overmatched by your mistake, ever. God is never overmatched by your weakness, ever. God is never overmatched by my failure, ever. And that's what Peter's trying to say at the end of this letter. So let's read the first three verses together. It's in here, up on the screen. Let's read it loud and let's read it together. It actually starts with therefore, but I cut that word out. So we already talked about that. But let's start with, I beg you to shepherd God's flock for whom you are responsible. Watch over them because you want to, not because you are forced. That is how God wants it. Do it because you're happy to serve, not because you want money. Do not be like a ruler over the people you are responsible for, but be a good example to them. Let me read it to you in New American Standard. That's the Living Bible. But it says this, the New Living Translation. It says, therefore I exhort the elders among you, the leaders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ. So he goes right back to Jesus. He saw Jesus suffer. He said, be a partaker also of the glory that's gonna be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you. That's what Jesus told him to do, right? Right when he was leaving. Shepherd the, the, the flock of God among you exercising oversight, not by compulsion, not being forced to do it, but because you want to do it, do it voluntarily according to the will of God, not for money or gain, but with an eager spirit, not lording over people that are allotted to you, but proving to be example of the flock, being under people and picking them up, right? You got that? How, how many of you know this is really important? This is called servant leadership. So let's go back and walk through verse one. Verse one's a huge verse. You, you, you step in here and he says, therefore, so the therefore goes back to chapter four, all the sufferings of Christ, everything that happened, you're getting tested, all of that. Then he says, I beg you to shepherd God's flock for whom you are responsible. Literally, the word beg is parakaleo. It means I call to you, I exhort you, I'm yelling at you, I'm challenging you. 
please, please do this. So he was like, whoo, getting up on them. Does that make sense? He's like wanting to really get their attention. And he's saying, look at, I'm not, I'm, I want to exhort you and call you to be an example. What kind of example? He says, I exhort the elders among you. No, that's a weird term, especially today. And then he says, shepherd the flock, you know. Uh, I, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ uh, and a partaker also of the glory of God to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you. So shepherd the flock of God. That's a, that's a picture of Jesus, is it not? Jesus was the good what? He said that about himself. That's how he identified himself. He said, I am the good shepherd. I care about my people. I'm crazy about you. I'm gonna take care of you. I'm gonna feed you. I'm gonna guard you and protect you. Then he uses this word. He says, I exhort the elders. And that word is presbyteros, which we get our word Presbyterian from, right? Hello? You heard of the church, the Presbyterian church? That's where you would get this word. Literally means this, an overseer, somebody who looks over. So if I'm in a room, and you, you don't know this, I should tell you this though. Like when we have regular services in here, Sometimes we have security people up in the corners of the room and they have guns. Okay, so, no, no, no. You know what they're doing? They're looking over everybody. Do you understand that? They're looking over everybody because they can see from the top corners of the room, they can see what? Everything. They can see everything. That's actually the word here. The word is to be an overseer, to look over everything and to help keep it straight. So you're looking over, you're watching over people, and literally he's saying, you are, shepherds are literally the word we use often is overseers, because you're looking what? Looking over people. You're watching, so you're not flying right down next to them all the time, sometimes you're flying what? Up here, your, your job is to look up over them, not just be in the, with them all the time, but to see how things are going. So then he says this. He says, literally, you're gonna suffer if you lead. I mean, he just says that because he says that therefore goes back to Jesus and all of Jesus' suffering. So all of you who are, are partakers and a witness of Christ's suffering, he said, you'd be a partaker also of the glory to be revealed and shepherd the flock of God. Shepherd the flock of God. So, so think like this. Here's a little bit of background for you. In the early church, they would go around and start churches all over different communities. And when they did, then they would leave. These were called apostles. So the word apostle literally means a church planter or somebody who starts a work and then what? And then leaves. So an apostle is somebody who in the Bible started something, planted a church, a Bible study, got it going, and then left. And when they left, they left people in charge, correct? So those people in charge were called presbyteros or overseers or elders. So that, that's kind of the background of how this happened. We have in the Bible two groups of leaders. We have elders and what? Deacons. Now, a lot of you are like, what is a deacon? These are such weird terms. Really, it just means a servant, one, a person who serves. Now, years ago, at Water of Life, we tried to identify our deacons. Now, if you were here, you know that turned into a disaster. I mean, because you know what's so interesting about people at Water of Life? We have so many people who serve here and so many people who help here that when we tried to identify some of them as leaders, what do you think they said? No, we don't want anybody to know what we're doing. 
just leave us alone. <laughs> they didn't want to be identified as deacons. They didn't want anybody to publicly know what they were doing. They were just doing it for the Lord, doing it under the Lord. How many know that was the right thing? That was a good heart. And, and the reality is at that point, we said, listen, we're not gonna force this. We're not gonna try to make this happen. We're just gonna let it go. We recognize we have people serving here all over the place. The Bible would call them deacons. We just call them brothers and sisters and bless them and just say, thank you, God, for all these people that serve here at Water of Life. So when you, when you yeah, you could say somebody started to clap. You should really, there's a lot of people who serve here, man. We're so grateful for all of you who serve all over the different campuses, everywhere. But, but the reality is, in the New Testament, when you talk about an elder, this word presbyterial, bishop, elder, and pastor, the words are often used interchangeably. So they, you're kind of like, what? Which office or which role are you fulfilling? Sometimes in the New Testament, it just moved. It moved all the time. And so it wasn't like one thing was locked down. They were often used for the same office. So elder really refers to the level of maturity of the person, that they are a mature person. Bishop and pastor more refers to the responsibility of the office. What are they doing? And that's kind of the picture in the New Testament. So at Water of Life, at Water of Life, we have a board. It's called an elder board. Now, I, I wanna show you some of the people on the elder board. Oh, handsome folks, aren't they? Yes. So these are some of our board members right up here. We have a lot of board members. Go ahead and roll. I think we got another set. There you go. But not everybody's up there. But we have a lot of elders at Water of Life, and their job is to oversee, to oversee the work that we do, to, to watch over things that are going on. So what does that mean literally? It means that they watch over the ministries at Water of Life. So if there's something happening, then you can find out the qualifications. Sometimes people say, how did that end up happening? How did, you know, what, the qualifications are in Timothy and Titus. So the, when you talk about t elders and ruling and people leading, those, the qualifications are found in Timothy and Titus. They outline the qualifications there, but they never talk about the duty. This is important, you get this. So you might come from another church or you might come from another background. You go, well, at our church, the leaders did this. At our church, the leaders did this. Listen, there's no clear picture in the Bible of what the leaders have to do. It's, not, it's, it's intentional. It's on purpose. It's very clearly left open. Here's who you should be, but you can decide what you're going to do. At Water of Life, those people look out and protect us. The word episkopos is really the word for bishop. It literally means like overseer, to watch over, to look over the top of things. So at Water of Life, what we ask those people to do is make sure we stay biblical, that we adhere to the Bible, that we do the things Jesus wants us to do. Whether it's me or you or anybody else, those people have the responsibility, first and foremost, to help us maintain biblical integrity and care for people who are caring for other people. So the second thing that they do is manage. And by manage, I mean that it helps to define their duties, that they oversee the functions of things that are going on. They manage our school, they manage different uh, men's ministries, they manage different other ministries, outreach ministries, they manage things. Does this make sense? Now some of you are like, I don't care. Okay, that's fine. But, but you need to understand these things. So we'll get to what Im is going to impact you right now. Let's look at point number two in your little outline if you got it. If you're online, you can pull that up if you want to see it. But in, in, in verse two, Peter starts to shift gears. He said, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight not under compulsion, 
but voluntarily, according to the will of God, not for money, but with eagerness, not lording over people, but proving to be an example. So he gives these contrasting pictures, here, 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 here. So he's literally saying, shepherd the flock. So let me ask you a question. You've got a Bible, an iPad, a phone. Turn back to John 21. Instead of asking you, I'll just show it to you. John 21 is where Peter is talking about. This is his life and what Jesus did with him. So he's speaking to his own journey. John 21, verse 15. It says, so when they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, tend my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Shepherd my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said this to him three times. Do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Now the picture here is Jesus restoring Peter three times because Peter denied him how many times? Three times. That's what's happening in the picture. And, and Peter knew something was going on because his heart was broken over how he had turned away from Jesus. So what he does here is he walks back in and he immediately talks about shepherding the flock because Jesus drove that way into his soul. Now, if you got your Bible, your iPad, your phone, turn back into the Old Testament with me, would you? If you want to go back to the left, find the book of Ezekiel, chapter 34. So once you cross the New Testament, the book of Matthew, you go to Malachi, Zechariah, Hosea, and then you'll find the biggest book there is Ezekiel. Ezekiel's chapter 34 is a picture of shepherding the flock and how God feels about people who lead and pastor other people. Ezekiel chapter 34 is a staggering text. I teach this often in leadership conferences or other pastors when I travel because this was a text that I wish somebody would have taught me when I was in school, and they didn't. And this is a text that gives you the heart of God for the church and for people. So watch this. It says in verse one, Ezekiel 34, the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, thus says the Lord God, woe shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly, you, know, you haven't strengthened them. The diseased, you've not healed them. The broken, you have not bound them up. And the scattered, you have not brought back. Nor have you sought for the lost, but with force and severity, you have dominated them. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd, and they became food for every beast of the field and were scattered. My flock wandered through all the mountains on every high hill. My flock was scattered over the surface of the earth and there was no one to search for them. Therefore, verse seven, you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my flock has become a prey, my flock has even become food for all the beasts of the field for lack of a shepherd. And my shepherds did not search for the flock but rather the shepherds fed themselves and not the people, my flock. Therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds and I will demand my sheep from them and make them to cease from feeding the sheep. So the shepherds will not feed themselves anymore, but I will deliver my flock from them. Then if you drop over to verse 13, it gives a really clear picture of Israel being gathered back, but watch this. 
I will bring them out of the peoples and gather them from other countries and bring them back to their own land. And then listen to how God sees his people. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the streams and all the inhabited places of the land. I will feed them in a good pasture and their grazing ground will be the mountain heights of Israel. They will lie down on good grazing land, feed in rich pastures on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the scattered, bind up the broken, strengthen the sick, but the fat and the strong I will destroy with judgment. Okay, so hold it. Let me tell you a little secret here. I went to cemetery, I mean seminary, <laughs> to learn how to be a pastor. I'm joking. Listen, se seminary really helped me. But here's what my journey in ministry was like. I was like many of you. Uh, I had a job as a school teacher. I was a basketball coach, and I found myself talking about Jesus all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time, talking about Jesus. Finally, my principal comes to me and says, look, you're gonna get fired. You know, you, you're, you're gonna get fired because of, of, of talking about Jesus all the time. You should just go be a pastor, that's what he said to me. Uh, okay, that's great. It was actually quite prophetic, and he didn't know it. Um, but, but the reality was, the reality was, once I became a youth pastor, I had a master's degree in education, but I didn't have, and I had an undergraduate degree in Bible and, and major world religions with a Bible emphasis, but I, I didn't have any skill. So I would sit in my office as a youth pastor and I would be counseling families and stuff and I would be thinking like this, I don't know what to do. I need help, Jesus, help me. You know, finally it was like this, I gotta go back to school to figure out what I'm doing. I, I really didn't have a clue how to help people move ahead. So I went back to school, and, and I went back to school to, to get more skill to help people move ahead. Now, when I did, here's what they didn't teach me, is what God just spoke prophetically through Ezekiel here. He said, I will lead them to rest in verse 15. Verse 16, I will seek the lost. I understood seeking the lost. I will bring back the scattered. I, nobody taught me that. I will bind up the broken and strengthen the sick. Uh, okay, hold, hold it, hold it. He said that back over here on the other side as well. He talked about what, what is a shepherd supposed to look like? You're supposed to do these things in verse four. The sickly you have not strengthened. Oh, okay, hold it, hold it. The sickly you have not strengthened. I never had that class. Come and take this class at seminary. Strengthen the sickly. I never had that class. But when I read the Bible, that's what a pastor or shepherd's supposed to do, is that right? But nobody taught me that class. Nobody said, oh, by the way, we wanna help you figure out how to strengthen the sickly. You know, how do you help put people's lives back together? And then, and then how about this one? They say, strengthen the sickly. Uh, you have not strengthened those who, who are sick. And the diseased you haven't healed. Really, take this class now, healing the diseased. I never got that class. I missed that class in seminary. You know, healing the disease. I, I didn't get that class. And, and then it goes on and it says, and the broken you've not bound up. Uh, that, that, that was the class I missed too. Come and learn how to bind up broken people. Uh, uh, listen, the, the weirdest thing about leading and pastoring and loving people is trying to be led by the Holy Spirit to do supernatural things. Do you understand what I'm saying? This isn't natural. I, I can't heal broken people. 
I can't bind up the sick. I can't heal those who are, I, I, this, I can't do that. How about you? But it says right here, the shepherds are supposed to what? Come on, help me. What are they supposed to do? They're supposed to do this. Now, what's so interesting about the church today, we've got a church with a lot of great communicators, a lot of people who can teach the Bible, but here's the big question. How many people do you see out there who have, are, 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 the sick are getting strengthened, the diseased are getting healed, the broken are getting bound up, and the scattered are being brought back? I mean, that, that really, you gotta read that and think about it. You gotta think, is this happening? Because it's in the Bible. The Bible says this is what God wants to happen for shepherds with churches, yes or no? So at the, the, we know in the New Testament that we're called to equip the saints for the work of service. That word is kartatizo. And kartatizo literally means to put things back together again. It's a great reflection of this verse. It's how you heal the sick, bind up the brokenhearted. You have to help put people back together. So a lot of times people say at Water of Life, why do you have altar calls? Why do you pray over people? Why do you have classes? Why? Let me answer that for you. Right here, that's the answer. When I read this, when somebody read this to me, I was in shock. I was like, I never got that class. Nobody ever told me that's what I was supposed to be doing. I got this class know how to take care of the finances, know how to preach and, and, and study the Bible, know how to do some counseling. I, I, didn't, I didn't get these other classes, these supernatural classes of like praying over people, laying hands on people, anointing people, believing for the Holy Spirit to touch people, watching God supernaturally heal marriages and people's lives. I, I didn't get that class. I had to get that class from God. Do you understand that? I had to go find my own books and read. I had to like say, God, help me. This is way out of my zone. I don't know how to do this. But how many of you know that's God's heart? That's really what you're supposed to be doing as a shepherd. So that's why we do altar calls. Sometimes people say, I'm uncomfortable when people are up in front crying. I'm uncomfortable when you do this. I'm a Listen, it's in the Bible. The church is a hospital. And one of the things that I'll just be honest with you, those of you online, I love all of you guys, but you just gotta get this. When we come back into church in the next few months, Lord willing, and we really start to come back, right? Masks off and everybody's well and all of that, we're gonna have to go back and find people. We are, because there's a lot of people wandered away. A lot of people wandered away. A lot of people, no Sabbath anymore, no stopping for Jesus anymore. Oh, I have an extra day in my week now. I'm just going to do what I want to do. Mm -mm. Wow, you can't do that and honor Jesus. You can't do that. You know, there's a Sabbath rest. You're supposed to take that stop, that day you honor God. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So there's going to be a time that we have to do what it says right here, the scattered you have not brought back, that we are actually going to, as a church, go out and try to touch people that we know have wandered away because that's what we're supposed to do. Does that make sense? Okay, so I'm super way far off. <laughs> Thank you. We are like way out of time and way out of the zone, but, but this is important stuff, I think. So go back to 1 Peter. We're, we're in verse two. Are we gonna get through all of this today? No, we're in verse two. Okay, so let's keep going. Shepherd the flock of God among you, 
exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but doing it voluntarily. That's what you can hear all over in Ezekiel 34. Love the people. It's not for money. Be nice. Get underneath people. Lift them up. Don't get on top of them. And not for gain, but with eagerness. Don't lord over people on top of them, but get underneath them and pick them up. Be an example to them. And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the unfading crown of glory. Younger men, likewise, you be subject to the elders. And all of you, now this is so important, this part, all of you clothe yourselves with what? Humility. All of you clothe yourselves with humility. And what does that mean? It means that you've got to lay low. You've got to be kind. You've got to be thoughtful. You don't jump on top of people and knock their brains out. It literally means to ride low. Yeah, I know some of you used to be low riders. Okay, so you would get that. But, but that's literally what it means. When you, when you talk about this, you're really looking at a picture of, of him saying, listen, shepherds, leaders, people, walk together. Walk together. Uh, there's this interesting tension in the, in the Bible when you're talking about leadership with pastors and, and church leaders. There's this tension of honoring people but not putting them on a pedestal. And the pastor's job is to fly over and equip the saints for the work of service, put people back together, train people how to put other people back together, all of that kind of stuff. But then you're also supposed to walk with the people. So you are a sheep while you're also a shepherd. Does that make sense? That's a very interesting journey, friend. Just trust me. It's a very interesting journey to know when you walk among people and when you don't. How, how do you do that. That's part of the journey. And literally what he's saying, it has to come with humility. It's got to come with humility. That doesn't mean that you give up your position. It doesn't mean you yield your role. My role is to do what I do, and your role is to do what God has called you to do. And so each of us have a place in the kingdom to do what we're supposed to do. If we do what we're called to do, it all works. If we don't do what we're called to do, it doesn't work because we all need each other. Is that right? That's what humility literally means when he says this, listen, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to who? The humble, he gives grace to people who are humble. So when you're talking about oversight, what does that literally mean for me? It means this, my role here is really to give vision to the church. So, so that would look like this. We started talking about this a week ago. We're gonna do 40 days of prayer in October and November. Because when I was gone this summer and I pray and I pray like, Lord, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to do? I really came back to very clearly the Lord speaking to me saying, it's time to pray. Move up prayer from January to October. Let's, as a church, gather together. Let's get everybody into a small group of some sort, whether it's online, whether it's in person, in somebody's backyard. I don't care what it looks like, but let's get people in small groups and let's start praying for each other. We're putting together a book right now. I worked on it half the day yesterday. I worked on a book that we're putting together, a journal, a prayer journal for you to have during the 40 days of prayer. That will have all the outlines of the messages in it. It will go through so you can write things that God is speaking to you. You can write things that God is answering prayer for you. It will give you a journal to go through 40 days of prayer together. So we're gonna do this and it's, we're gonna do memory verses together. We're gonna do 5.30 in the morning prayer groups together. We're going to do all, we're just, listen, we're gonna do 40 days of really what? 
praying. We're going to start off with a night of prayer in here. We're going to end up with a night of prayer at the end. So we're going to pray and pray and pray. That's what my job is. Another thing that I've really felt compelled about the last few months is this whole issue of racial reconciliation. And people have said, what are you doing about that? You know, it seems like you just forgot it. Listen, I don't forget stuff like that. I just go low and just start working on it. So we're gonna do a whole series of messages in November and the first of December. We're gonna do four messages on biblical reconciliation. What does it look like in the Bible to heal the breach? Because we need to figure out how to do that. But we're, gonna, we're doing a whole nother thing. We have a team of people together right now that we're going to different churches and we're looking at curriculum. We're looking at what can we do to train some leaders so we can start classes and talk about racism and talk about healing this huge breach in our country because we are supposed to be what? Healers, is that right? We're supposed to be healers, supernatural healers, not just fly over, but we're supposed to be in the trenches. That can't happen unless we get equipped and we put together curriculum. So we have a lot of healing classes at Water of Life, is that right? This will become one of those healing classes of, of racial reconciliation. We're working on all that right now. So those of you wondered, did this just disappear? No, it hasn't disappeared at all. It's actually way up the ladder and we're working on it really hard, but we just don't, I don't say something about it all the time. That is my role though. Does that make sense? That's what I do at Water of Life. That's what God has set me to do. And then with you, listen, with you, you have to think like this. What is your role? Your role is that what the Holy Spirit leads you to do out of your gifting, because God wants you to honor your gifting. And the only way you do that is with humility. You might think like this, I don't wanna be a toe, I don't wanna be a finger, I don't wanna be an elbow, I wanna be an eyeball. Be a toe or a finger for a while and then be an eyeball when Jesus promotes you. Do, do, do you understand? I mean, that's the picture that Paul gives. He uses the body, the, 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 the human body to help you understand it. And the reality is we need leaders. Listen, the church needs leaders who are servant-hearted. That's what he's saying right here. We need leaders who serve and servants who lead. We have too many bad examples in our country of people who lead because of their own care. They want, it's for themselves. It's just this picture here. It's all over our country, friends. It doesn't matter which side of the aisle you look on. You have people that are self-serving. They're not here to care for the people. And that's what we're struggling with today as a nation. And the Bible says, listen, in the church, you need leaders who serve and servants who lead. Don't drive the sheep, love the people. Don't overpower people, get underneath them and lift them up. And it all starts with humility. Now watch where he goes and we'll close this up. Watch this. When he gets down into verse eight, Verse six here, he says, then humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. That's a whole humility thing that he could exalt you at the proper time and cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So interesting that he's talking about leadership and then he talks about casting your anxiety. So how, how many of you think that to be a leader, it can create some anxiety? I think that's the context here. Is that, that, that throw this verse in there, we quote this verse all the time, but it's right in the whole context of leadership. So he says, you know, humble yourself, and I know it's gonna be hard for you, cast your anxiety on Jesus, because Jesus is crazy about you. Now look at verse eight. Then he wraps this up with a real, real tough talk. He says, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Sober spirit. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. 
but resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world, who are in the world. And after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his, his eternal glory in Christ, will himself establish, perfect, confirm, strengthen, establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. So, 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 hold, hold it. Let's walk back through this, because it's really good and we'll be done. But watch this. Humble yourselves under the hand of God. That's everybody, right? Come on, help me, that's all of us? If we all, right, you know what's amazing about our elder board? I'll just tell you this. Half of our elder board are people that own their own company. But you would never know that when you go to an elder meeting and watch them function together. Because they have all figured out this, the best way to have unity is to ride low. Not to ride high, not to try to control or be over other people, but to get underneath them and serve them. And so you have a whole bunch of people trying to serve other people, and how many of you know that creates this a massive amount of unity and possibility? that God blesses unity whenever people get underneath each other and try to serve instead of con you know, conflict with people, trying to tell them what to do or what to think. You would never see that happen on our board. And that's an amazing, amazing thing I need to tell you about our board because the, I, I just think they're amazing people. So when he says this, he says, listen, be careful because hell hates that. Hell hates humility. So remember the context is, if you humble yourselves, I say this to you a lot of times, if you humble yourselves, it's a great weapon in spiritual warfare. Humility breaks the enemy's pride. The enemy functions out of pride. He wants you to function out of pride. Jesus functions out of humility. When you flow in a spirit of humility, you break the enemy's back. That's what happens. And that's how you break darkness. So when you look at this and you think about demonization, spiritual warfare, very dramatic kind of things, often it's way less than that. Often it's what he's talking about here. Cast your anxiety on him because the enemy's gonna try to wear you down. Be of sober spirit. This is a very interesting word because it literally means don't be drunk. No, it does mean be sober. Don't be what? Don't be drunk, that's what it means. It means don't lose your mind. That's literally what he's saying here. When things get hard, don't lose your mind. When things start to get cloudy, don't lose your mind. The enemy wants you to lose your mind. He wants to cloud things inside of you. Don't let him do that to you. Be of sober spirit. Keep your thoughts intact. Guard your thinking. Guard your heart. Because your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking somebody to devour. So how many of you know hell hates you? The enemy hates you. He wants to destroy you. The Bible says he comes to kill and steal and destroy. He wants to destroy your family, your destiny, your journey, your life, your heart, your emotions. He wants to destroy you. And so be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. What does that mean? Don't go to sleep at the wheel. Hell never sleeps, friends. You gotta think like that. You need people around you in small groups. You need people around you in ministry to help you see when you start to go to sleep. How many of you know it's easy to go to sleep in your marriage? Very easy to go to sleep in your marriage. Start taking the other person for granted. Start thinking, it's okay. The, the, you know, they're my, they belong to me. No, 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 they don't belong to you. They belong to Jesus. They don't belong to you. They're on loan to you. But when you start to think like that, it becomes very, very dangerous. So literally, Peter is saying this. Listen, humble yourselves and God will raise you up with the proper time. Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you, but beware the enemy is after you to destroy you. 
Their adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking somebody to devour. But resist him, hold, hold it, resist him. Stay firm in your faith, knowing that things you're struggling with right now, the suffering is happening to people all over the world. That's, so he's just basically saying this, listen, people are struggling all over the world, don't lose your mind. Don't lose your mind, don't lose your way. Don't give in to the struggle, don't let it cave in your thought life. Don't do that. And he literally, literally, literally says this, when the enemy comes, he's not just gonna come like a big demon. He's gonna come and just wear you out. Anybody know that feeling? That's how the enemy works, he just wears you out. He just wears you down. He just keeps rubbing you wrong. It's Daniel 7.25, it says, he will speak out against the most high and he will wear down the saints of the highest one. He'll wear you down, he'll wear you down. Wearing down the saints isn't very glamorous, friends, it's not. It's not like, whoa, that person's demonized. No, 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 most spiritual warfare is not glamorous. It's just hard, it's just hard. The enemy just keeps coming at you, coming at you. You need people around you to encourage you. You need people around you to pray for you. You need people around you to intercede for you. You need people around you to take care of you and help you. James 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Peter here says what? Stand firm, resist him in your faith, knowing the same experience. Listen, if you stand against Satan, here's how this goes. If you stand against Satan, he'll leave. Why will he leave? Because there's too many people who won't. Unfortunately, that's the truth. He's testing you to see if you will stand firm or cave in. If you cave in, he'll come back. If you cave in again, he'll come back again. If you keep caving in, he'll keep coming back. But if you resist him, what will happen? He'll leave. He'll leave. There's too many people who won't resist. So you need to think like that. When it gets hard and you're struggling, he's literally saying there's people all over the world just like you. They're suffering, they're struggling. Don't give in to that. Keep your head on. Don't lose your mind. And listen, listen, remember this. Jesus is crazy about you. That's so important. Resist him. Stand up against him. Stand with me, would you? Let me pray over you. Because he talks about, at the end of this, he talks about after the battle comes a great blessing. He says this, after the battle, after you suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to eternal glory will perfect you. He'll confirm you, he'll strengthen you, and he'll establish you. Literally, he takes a couple of words and he just builds on top of him and he's saying this, he'll put strength in you and then he'll give you more strength. He will establish you, he'll give you this firm foundation and he will do all the work because he's promised to. What you have to do is open to the work, open to the Holy Spirit. And then he says to him, be dominion forever and ever. Through Silvanus, our faithful brother, I've written to you briefly exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. The one she who is in Babylon is chosen together with you. Send your greetings. So does my son, John Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love, but don't do it here with a mask on. And <laughs> peace to all of you who are in Christ. I'm playing with you. I'm playing with you. Listen, it's interesting. Peter just said this. I didn't write this letter. I told it to somebody else and they wrote it because I'm illiterate. That's what Peter just said. I didn't ever go to school. I couldn't write this letter. Sylvanus wrote it for me. 
But did God use him in a massive way or what? Come on, you gotta get this. God can use you. God can use you. It doesn't matter what your journey looks like. God can use you. So Father, we wanna come right now. And we just wanna say, Lord, for people that are struggling, for those who are sick, those who are brokenhearted, if they're online, Lord, on one of our other campuses here in the worship center, we pray grace and grace and more grace. We pray healing. Father, you can bind up the brokenhearted and you use us, your people, your church to do that. So that's, we, we just love the classes we have here at Water of Life, Father. We pray for them to get back up running completely so we can see people getting bound up and healed up and restored and re-engaged in the battle. So Father, we ask for your great grace, Holy Spirit. Pour out your grace on your church right now and help remind us, God, there's people suffering all over the world. Don't lose our mind. Keep our heads on straight and sober. Don't lose our way and you will have a victory in us. In the name of Jesus, everybody said amen, amen, amen. Hey, we have a team of people to pray for you. If you'd like prayer, they'll be over in the prayer room right over here to my left. God bless you. Have a great, 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 great week this week. Well, thank you online for joining us. And again, we wanna give you a moment to uh, think about the message throughout the week. And so if you have a, a phone or take a screenshot, we wanna encourage you. We're gonna have some questions here on the screen I'm gonna speak to that you can uh, take, take a picture of and think about later this week. And the first thing we wanna encourage you to do is to reflect back on what Pastor Dan said, that we need more leaders who serve and servants who lead. And so we wanna have encourage you to think of someone maybe in your life who who modeled that well and, and what are some traits that maybe you can emulate um, from that person. And the other thing we want to encourage you to do throughout the week is to think back and um, look maybe for people in your life who can really uh, take more notice of maybe a coworker or a, a neighbor or someone at the store and what is maybe a way that you can show compassion to them? What is maybe a way that God is calling you to respond to how you're seeing and viewing that person? So again, take, take some time, take a screenshot, uh, Think about these things throughout the week. Talk to your friends, family, small group about them. Uh, we hope that this will be a great encouragement for you throughout the week. Well, if you are online, we do have ways for you to receive prayer. The chat team will be posting those on the screen. You can always call into Water of Life Church. And uh, we want to uh, thank everyone for joining us this weekend. We hope you had a wonderful time, and we'll see you next weekend. God bless you guys.